welcome to Existential Dread with Madeline Drain and Martin Loesch. Existential Dread is a podcast for creatives who are probably trying too hard, possibly tying themselves in knots but love their creative field. Perhaps trying to earn some money from their creativity, trying to break into an industry or just enjoying their passion and seeing how far they can take it. Existential Dread is letting you in on the secret that basically nobody knows what they're doing. So we're here to dispel the myth and give an honest account of the stuff that's going right and the stuff that's going up in smoke. Welcome to episode five of Existential Dread. And this week we're going to be talking about taking notes. So a staple in every creative person's life is that kind of ideas notebook. It usually comes around because you start writing stuff randomly down in like your notes app on your phone or like bits of paper that you then lose track of. Or what I often do is like write it in a text to someone but don't send it and then forget what person I've done that to and have to like scroll through all of my WhatsApp messages (laughs) looking for the person that I didn't text back because I wrote something (laughs) as a draft message to remember it and didn't send it. Do you ever send it by accident? No, because I... I'm always so scared of how weird that would look. <laughs> but that, surely that can't be a person that you text regularly, because otherwise you'll have to delete messages all the time, no? Yeah. Like, you type it up, and then it's just sitting there in limbo until you have to text that person again, and then you have to get rid of it and say, you know... I think my thought process at the time is that in, like, ten minutes, I'll go back to it and put it somewhere better. Right. And that's just so I don't forget it. Okay, so it's not like... <laughs> you just have... A list of people you're never going to talk to again. And that's your note-taking repository. (laughs) That's my archives in WhatsApp. (laughs) (laughs) I quite like the idea of having, like, a nice physical notebook with all your kind of creative ideas. That feels like quite a romantic idea for me. But ultimately, in a practical sense, mine always ends up being digital because then I just kind of have it to hand whenever. Yeah, I like a notebook, a physical one. I end up buying too many, though. Yeah. I've bought, like, four in the past two months. My handwriting just ruins them. Yeah. Do you, like, press really hard? Yeah, I just kind of have, like, slightly, like, psychotic handwriting. (laughs) Oh, my God, same. I wonder what that tells tells you about us. (laughs) Like, if you read two paragraphs of my writing, you would think eight different people had written it. Wait, so that completely changes? Like, I don't have handwriting that's the same. Yeah, but as long as you can read it. I can read it, but it just looks shit. Yeah, but nobody does. Yeah, but this is what I mean. It's a romantic idea in my head of, like, the idea of notebook. And And it 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 would be, like, like, yeah, like, looks really, like, (laughs) artistic. And it just never does. Do you ever write in public? And I would lose it, also. I did that once, and this was so me thinking I was in a film. I went to Paris on my own for like three mm, days yes. <laughs> and I bought a notepad to take with me and I like sat in cafes like making notes and I was like oh my god I was so obsessed with how that looked but it just looked like some English you're, you're fucking erratically writing also like I don't think my face looks mental when I write yeah. I think the writing just looks mental yeah. afterwards <laughs> I write on the tube and it's not great because it moves too much and then I end up just yeah that's a bad system yeah but i, th- I do think i look really cool yeah it's not gonna be as cool as like the people that sketch on the tube that's kind of cool oh yeah 
I think a lot of the time if I'm making notes, it's kind of almost to free up space for other things that I'm supposed to be concentrating on. Because mm. often ideas can come to you at an almost intrusive time when you're really trying to focus on something else. And so the act of taking notes or writing it down is almost like freeing yourself from like this nervousness of forgetting a good idea. So in a way, like a lot of note taking can also be almost like a to do list because it's like, oh, come back to this, come back to this idea. Yeah, for it to be productive at all, you need to come back to it as well. Yeah, I just have this um, massive nervousness about forgetting something good. I think also because I just don't keep ideas. I don't keep anything in my working memory for very long, which is a bit of a dyslexic thing. You just (laughs) you once it's committed to long term memory, fine. If it's in the like short term memory bit of my brain, it does feel like it could just drop out at any second, and I'll never be able to find it again. That's like oh, that's the point of taking the note, isn't it? To commit it to memory as well for you to. Yeah, the act of writing it the down also means that you're more likely to remember it as well. Yeah. And then you're like, phew, okay, what was I supposed to be doing? Yeah. It's funny, there's a bit of a... Because I write all the ideas that I have down. And I don't really even have a, a filter of, is this good enough to warrant space on my notes app? Which is so fucking egotistical in the way, because I'm like, every idea is a good idea. No, I think that's super important. I think one of the like best things about taking notes is that it's like a non-judgmental space. Yeah. <laughs> it's private. It's like less personal than saying it out loud to someone and being like, whoa, I just had this amazing idea because you haven't had time to judge whether it's amazing or not and whether you want to share it with other people. Yeah. You can just write it down and then the only person that knows that you've had a shit idea is you if you come back to it and you're like, oh, that was rubbish. Yeah, I struggle with not having an audience in mind when I'm writing notes which I feel is counterproductive. Like, not an audience as in the final product is going to appeal to a certain person. Even the most basic thing of, like, this is a good idea, I'm excited to tell this person about it. And immediately I'm like, oh, in what way should I phrase it in the note that it's, like, appealing to that person or whatever? Whereas I feel like notes at the very early stage should just be get it out, get everything out, everything related to, to the idea, get the idea itself out somewhere that you'll remember to go back to and then go back to it and move on from there. Yeah, my instinct would tell me that the most productive way to like take note of something is in the kind of form that it come, pops into your head in and then you can take that and like mould it into something that's going to like translate well to others, mm. even if it's just like telling them about it or, you know presenting it in a piece of work somehow um then you can work that out like later yeah because if you write down the like quick way you've like tried to get someone else to understand it when you come back to it you're less likely to like have a refreshed wave of like inspo from it if that makes sense yeah Yeah, absolutely because it might not click in your brain exactly as well as it did at the time because you've written down someone what you think someone else would want from it yeah exactly it needs to appeal to you yeah yeah, because then when you come back to these ideas, you end up with like this kind of backlog of like little nuggets of inspiration or ideas or like thoughts that you've had, which is really useful if you find yourself with time to like start a new project or start to develop something totally new because you have these things that have inspired you. Or if like you get assigned work and you need to kind of like create an idea from an assigned piece of work, 
these are the bits that kind of like click in your brain that might unlock this project for you. Because I find a lot of notes are just things that you like or things that you kind of find interesting or even just like other other people's ideas that you that really kind of resonate and you want to remember them. Like, for example, I have no connection really to like interior design or like fashion design. But if you like went through my Instagram saved posts, you would think I was like researching something to do with interior design because right. I've saved so like I'm not redecorating. I don't need this. But like a lot like I just save so many things from it because I really like there's something that I really like about them and I find them really pleasing and I want it to be bookmarked for kind right. of some reason. And I think there's really something in that because documenting things you like or things that speak to you or like light up something in your brain can like lead to something even in a really like not obvious way in like your own creative work. But I think like even like if you look at like little kids and they go to the beach and they like collect their yeah. favourite like little stones and their little bits and it's not really for anything, but it's kind of just like building this tapestry of things that are of interest to you and things yeah. that like make yeah evoke something in your brain and I think that's so important and the kind of space of notes or spaces to like save things is so important to just like let us have things be interesting to us yeah it's a really good creative way to engage with the world anyways right like even if you never go back to it it's just a way for you to like doing thinking you know what I mean yeah there's a term I looked it up earlier but there's a, a term that people came up with called embodied cognition which is basically the idea that to think well you need to do stuff and the easy the most natural way I think for most creative people is doing notes or sketching or whatever whatever thing that whatever way of like doing the thinking appeals to you and collecting stuff is certainly one and like note taking I think is ours and it's so so important I think that's why notebooks are so nice because you actually get a physical activity that's linked in your brain to the thought that you're having because when people talk about like finding something you say to writers all the time it's like you know find your voice find your like point of view and stuff and I think that all of our kind of interests and things that like spark something for us kind of go to like building this tapestry of like who you are as a creative person and those things. And it actually threads between different stuff that you find interesting can be like a really good way of like learning something about yourself as a kind of creative person and learning something about your voice and notes are such a good kind of judgment free zone to kind of explore that in because our kind of notebooks are something that are private and we don't need to, they, we don't have any kind of external judgment when you're kind of writing them. And I think that can be one of the biggest blocks in creative work is like, as you say, like thinking about how it's going to be perceived or thinking about how, yeah, what other people will think about it. And it's so kind of rare to have those spaces that are completely like just for yourself because actually you've got to be, you can't be so scared of having bad ideas because you'll block any like good ideas because not every idea is going to be a winner but you have to be willing to have the bad ones to kind of be able to have the good ideas as well and for a lot of people 
including myself, if you have to like go through the ideas process like publicly, it just kind of wouldn't be possible. Obviously at some point you're gonna have to leave the safety of the ideas notebook and if you're willing to find out whether an idea you think is a good idea is actually good or not and you kind of have to take that leap at some point. And that's always a very watershed moment when you actually share it for the first time and you realize, oh my God, is this actually any good? Yeah. Yeah. Horrifying. I mean, to be fair, if you, <laughs> <laughs> if you have someone that you trust creatively, it is a good way to figure out what's good and what's not once you've kind of regurgitated because it helps saying stuff out loud anyways. Yeah. <laughs> I kind of have a issue sometimes where I'll want to take a note and it's a lot of times it's other people's stories that will trigger something. And obviously, cause we're like screenwriters, it's mostly to do with, Oh, I think that'd be a, <clears throat> a cool line or a cool character or cool, whatever. I do tend to just write a lot of sentences that have no meaning whatsoever, but I just think they're pretty. Right. And so like people will say stuff and I'll just pull out my phone and immediately start writing, which is a social football, the best of times and the worst of times it's like super offensive because like <laughs> one time this guy a friend of mine was talking about something horrible that happened to a friend of his and i don't know how, how much detail I should go into but basically trigger warning oh god he <laughs> basically got invited it's quite a dark story he got invited to the birthday party of a of this girl that he knew and then very gradually realized that she was going to kill herself and that she had brought together all her friends and family to this birthday party to sort of say goodbye. She didn't. So it's all good. She, you know, went to that. She had a suicide party. But she had a suicide party and he was telling me this oh story. Oh my God. And... I immediately had the, the moment you of... You got your phone out! <laughs> Jesus Christ. I immediately had the... Oh my God, that's great. Like, that's such a good idea. And I was like, okay, how do I... I need to write this down. And I, like, just very mechanically got my phone out and started typing. And he was just, like, staring at me and, like, stopped talking. And I put it away and I was like, oh yeah, sorry, continue. And he was like, just taking it back. And he was like, what did you just do? And I was like, oh, n nothing, nothing. And I still haven't told him that I wrote it down. Oh, God. That uh, is bad. Yeah, but I can't use it now. It's kind of shitty. I don't know. I feel like I need to consult him. But yeah, so be careful when you take notes. Make sure it's at, I don't it's think other people need time. that advice. I think most people know to not take their phone take out at that moment. Start writing someone's horrific uh, story God. down as they tell you it. It was so good, though. Like... God. I was literally never like, come to Martin with a problem. <laughs> he won't console you. He'll just start. She's like, oh my God, that's, that's a film right there. Yeah. What was that you said first? What was the direct quote? <laughs> <laughs> so taking notes doesn't always have to be this kind of reactive thing where something just like comes into your brain and then you react by writing it down or and then later seeing what comes from it. Like you can also choose to spend time taking notes and like that be an active step that you're taking and seeing where that goes. Like a lot of people absolutely swear by 
these kind of like structured free writing sessions that you can do where it's like there's a set period of time you might have a set subject or you might just have no you deliberately have nothing that you're supposed to write about and you just kind of see what comes up in the allotted period of time that's kind of one of those things that's supposed to like boost creativity in your brain isn't it i've started doing that recently the past like month yeah but i think I put I put the the goal was to do it every day and that's not worked out. So now I'm at like once every three days, I do it. Which I don't know if that's more less productive. I don't know. It works for me. But what I do is twenty twenty twenty. So I have an hour every morning f- dedicated to writing. But I start it with twenty hours of uh, twenty hours twenty minutes of <laughs> admin, just to get. It's mostly emailing and like whatever admin I need to do. But emailing is good because it gets you kind of in the writing mindset, even though you're not actually writing anything creative. And then I do 20 minutes of that. And then I do 20 minutes of looking at what I wrote the day before. So I go back to like my last free writing thing, I reread it. And then if anything else comes up, which it usually does, and that's the most productive thing I think of those 20 minutes is the 20 minutes of revision. Because then, I mean, I do it for stand-up, and I think for that exercise to be at all productive, you need to be very clear why you're writing stuff. But also, just free writing is very good anyways, just to get you writing. But it's good to know what you're writing for. But I write to come up with stand-up bits, so then when I revise the bits, I'm like looking for what's funny and looking for what hits or what the structure is or whatever and that comes the day after and then the last 20 minutes is writing something new and most of the time what I do is I just do like random word generator I look at a thing on a wall or whatever I mean I don't live in a very big place so I ran out really quickly objects in my living room that could be inspiring (laughs) (laughs) I write it on top of the word document or on top of the page that I'm writing on and I just put a timer on 15-20 minutes and I just write whatever bullshit comes out and that's it. And it doesn't have to be relevant or good or anything really. It doesn't even have to make sense. Just as long as you're writing and you're doing it for a sustained amount of time. And it's, it's great because it feels really productive, even though it might not be. But that issue kind of doesn't matter and that's very liberating. Yeah. Yeah. Does it feel like a kind of a muscle in the brain that's got better the more you've done it? Like, the first few times did you sit down and like, I don't understand how this works? Or did it feel like as soon as you started doing it, it just... Not so much. Not the writing itself, the revision, definitely. Because before that, most of my revision came when I would go on stage and try to make sense of my notes, basically. But now that I've started actually reading, rereading my notes and then rewriting bits and then rereading that bit again and then rewriting it over and over again, that process feels very, yeah, it feels like I've improved the muscle, definitely. I don't know how else to explain it. It feels really strange, but it goes a lot quicker now, I guess. That's like one way I could tell. But the actual free writing... It's just as excruciating as any other writing is, to be (laughs) honest with you. But yeah. Yeah. 
I have never done the like I've never done it in that kind of structured format where you're where you do it like every day or however many I've kind of always done it more kind of like from the sense from the starting point either of like people watching where I just kind of fill look at strangers like if I'm in a cafe or whatever and I like fill in the blanks or like start filling in bits of people's lives honestly sometimes I just do it in my head but like I do it intentionally in my head or I do it writing it down or I do it kind of like starting from a point of view of like an emotion or like an event that would trigger an emotion and then I just like start writing about that yeah I can't remember why I think it must have been something an anecdote from somebody's life that triggered it but I the first time I ever did it and it was just like I just kind of did it on instinct was like a friend was they thought that they were in love with their ex's best friend Mm. and they're like lovely yeah obviously a sticky situation and I was just like god yeah there's so much going on there there's so many emotions there's so many like people's emotions going on so I just like literally went home and started like writing about that as a situation and like all the like layers to it that's great that's great because it almost gives you a, a scene like it gives you a finished product at the end I could start I could seeing it I was seeing yeah. it immediately I mean it, it never great. I never got past that moment and those <laughs> layers of emotions it didn't a story didn't form around it but it almost didn't matter because it was a it felt really like a creatively like satisfying yeah. experience yeah and it's I I think I mean I think it speaks to you as the kind of writer you are as well because going you because you, you make notes out of emotions like that's really interesting that you were like I'm gonna try to capture all the emotional complexity of complexities of a really fucked up situation yeah and that's gonna bring me joy and that's like that's the instinct that you have yeah I wouldn't have I would find it very interesting but I wouldn't I wouldn't even know how to set what I'm writing up on the page for it to communicate that emotion you know what I mean yeah like I like the free writing thing where I get a word because that'll make me think of a thing that I have an opinion on but that I didn't realize I had an opinion on it until I saw the words. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, I just go outrage. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just really opinionated, and that's what speaks to the me. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking stupid that things are like that. You know? Any word and outrage is a really fine line. Yeah. For you. <laughs> I think with free writing as well, if you're doing it just like totally blank page, is like allowing your mind. Well, I think in general, this is a good thing for creativity. Is like allowing yourself to be bored. Especially now we, like, entertain ourselves 24-7. Like, realistically, I, I usually have at least two forms of entertainment happening at any one time. Like, I'll be listening to a podcast and doing something else, or I'll be watching TV and scrolling on my phone. And if I if there's nothing to entertain me, it feels suddenly slightly anxiety-inducing. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I think, actually, it's, a, you, it's kind of important to, like, force yourself to be bored sometimes, to let your brain actually entertain itself and come up with its own stuff rather than it just being like basically like white noise of entertainment for your brain at all times because we're scared to feel yeah (laughs) i mean it's true that like it's i think that's why you need to almost dedicate time to just thinking and then writing so like when i have my writing time 
often I'll not even have anything to write. I mean, I do now and I'm not doing it, but most of the time I won't have anything to write, but I'll just sit there and go, okay, like come up with something. And then staring at a blank page used to be really anxiety inducing. And now I'm like, oh my God, I'm not on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> like I look what at day? a piece of paper and I'm like, oh shit, like I'm like doing something. Finally, I'm doing something else. I'm just being on my fucking phone or just walking without music or walking without a podcast or like, yeah, being on the tube and people watching and stuff. I feel like I used to do that a lot more than I do now. Yeah, a phone is a barrier to that as well, mm. because instead of doing those things that you do to entertain yourself, you've taken that job away from your brain because you're just like looking at shiny, colourful things on your phone. Yeah. I used to have that thing, like a setting on my phone where it would make everything like this really like depressing grayscale. And it like makes your phone like way less addictive because it's not colourful. Seriously. And then I did an up- upgrade and my phone stopped oh, letting me do it. What? <laughs> That's so interesting. It's yeah. just the color. It's not just the it's color. It's not just the but color, it's, but like, it's a, a lot of the color. You don't want to go on Instagram without the color. You don't. Yeah, it's like crazy. it's just not as it's not fun. Wow, dude. I mean, smartphones are de- like designed to be addictive. Attention devices. Yeah. yeah. Well, I started using this app. Actually, quite. I mean, it's helped me. It's called Forest App. It's basically you open it and there's a little sapling of a tree and you can set a timer. And if you don't touch your phone for the duration of the timer, the sapling turns into a beautiful tree. And what happens then is that it gets added to like a digital forest, basically, where you can see all the trees that you've grown. And for some reason, it's really, really compelling. It's like a little mobile game. The psychology behind it is that they use the same sort of phenomena that makes Tinder so so addictive or like all these other apps really addictive where you've turned like a normal human interaction like dating into a mobile game essentially right. now I, I now i fucking put it on and i focus just because i don't want my tree to die because if you do touch your phone the tree goes all withered and gray and it still gets added to your forest I just have to look at all the depressing ones. So as then well, you see you all your failures and you see all your successes. Oh god, I don't know how I feel about this. But it doesn't but know what you're doing while you're not touching. No, no, phone, it's so just you could you be asleep. Your, yeah, you just put your phone and you don't touch it for like an hour. Okay, so you could do it before your naps and then just have yeah, and nice then just shiny yeah, trees. all right. If you're gonna cheat, then what's the <laughs> point? <laughs> but yeah, and the more trees you grow, the more like tokens you get, and then you can give your tokens and they'll plant a real tree in real life using your tokens oh yeah charity i don't know how legit that is i haven't looked into it but they do advertise a lot they'll chop a tree down yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you fail then they'll just burn the rainforest but there's a lot of different productivity apps out there i don't tend to use them but i did find Something quite interesting while researching kind of note-taking practices. And that got me wondering, what if Be Real, do you know Be Real? Mm. What if Be Real is actually a productivity app in disguise? Interesting hypothesis. Let me explain. Basically, I came across this website of this guy who 
is a writer. Well, he's a scientific writer, but writer still. And he puts all his notes, all his thoughts, everything that we, you and I might have in a notebook or have on our notes app on the phone. He puts on a website and he explains the thought process behind that is basically he thinks that it's good to work with a garage door up. So he kind of compares it to, you know, when you're like walking down the street and you walk by a mechanic's store and you see people working on cars or you walk by a bakery and you see people working in a bakery. Yeah. Or those restaurants where you set the bar. Or you sit at the bar and you see a guy, yeah, and you see people working or you just walk by and you're like, and it, 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 there's like a wonderful moment of like everyone around you is like, you know, they're almost saying to you, I'm here, I'm working, right? Well, people love behind the scenes stuff, don't they? For like films or whatever. Yeah, it's true. Everything that it takes to put on a, the facade of what you actually end up seeing of the finished product, all the work behind it is fascinating. Although your notes might not seem like it, they are probably interesting to other people. But basically the reasoning behind working with the garage door up is that it allows you to see that people are working. And in a profession, especially in like creative writing, a profession that's mostly online and mostly computer-based, it's really important to know that other people are also have, have the kind of a down-and-dirty note-taking process to the finished product that you end up seeing so it's not realizing that other people are working in like the very envy driven way that you'll see like a instagram post or linkedin post about someone's finished book or screenplay or the amazing thing that they released or whatever you get to see the grimy behind the scenes part and that allows you to destigmatize your own working process and destigmatize your notes. So basically saying, my notes don't have to be perfect because nobody's notes are perfect. And it also allows you to feel like you're part of a creative community. Interestingly, you know, if you publish your notes, more often than not, you'll end up relating to people about them. Like, you know, you might get in touch with people. I mean, that's happened to this guy. Things that he's kind of just written and never thought about again, people have asked him about and that's forced him to think about it more, think about it deeper. Even collaborating with people where he like co-wrote an article about an idea that he had. So yeah, it's basically kind of making the internet and making your kind of network into a little village where you get to tell people that you're working, you get to see that other people are working, and then you're collaborating all together and you feel like you're part of a community. Yeah. Well, because it can be a very, it's like naturally quite like an isolated thing, writing. And so it's, I, yeah, I guess it's so easy to imagine that other people's processes don't have the same sticky bits and dead ends and like confusing elements that you feel like yours has because you only you only see people's like finished product rather than seeing the whole process yeah yeah exactly and that's the beauty of like be real you know because for example you're in exam time at uni or whatever and you're getting heavy fomo from not being out and then you go on your be real and it's just people in pajamas wearing fucking ugly glasses on their couch just typing away you know and so you know it makes you feel better it makes other people feel better and it's just telling yourself that it's okay not to have amazing ideas all the time it's okay for your notes to be shit or nonsensical whatever because it's all process 
But do you think that has something to do with why people like to be real for a minute and then went off it? Is it not on anyone? I think it's died a death. Oh god, that's sad. I thought it's like just started being trendy. <laughs> yeah, but I'm a closeted boomer, alright? Yeah. I've already deleted it. <laughs> I deleted it months ago. Really? Yeah. Why why did why did you delete it? Because nobody was it, on it. It's just the it was just the same thing every day. Because we all do because, the same thing yeah, every because day. Because that's what life is. Yeah, and that but that was it was just boring. Why do I need to look at that? <laughs> that's and hilarious. Also, even though it was like reassuring a bit that other people were also doing nothing, I still felt like I was doing nothing way more. Way more. Like there was always okay. a few other people that were doing nothing, but then often be real will if there's like something going on in the world, it'll be real during the time of that like when it was yeah. the world cup final or something or the euros final it like i was like it'll definitely go off during the match and it did so like everyone on it was like watching the match oh of course yeah so there was a, so, so was like on like a friday or a saturday yeah it's more likely to be times where people are out and i just was never <laughs> so you're just also on your couch and everyone's out i was the one making everyone feel better by doing nothing <laughs> <laughs> well you know you took one for the team yeah <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I was like, it's real life is too boring. Yeah, because there's no uh, pretty much. It's yeah. Not, yeah, it's not like aspirational. Yeah, and you can't, you know, yeah, you can't produce it as much. Yeah, and even though that was kind of a good, it's not po- polished concept, enough. It, it didn't keep me wanting to stay on it. That's quite interesting. So basically, people don't want to see the. I think I'd rather just not be on my phone at all than be on my phone, but, like, do something a bit more real. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Because you have to get on your phone to do it. Like, it alerts you to come and pick up your phone. So if you're not already on your phone, it actually encourages you to be on your phone more. I think, and research shows, I don't know, I have have very few sources, but um, it's much, much better to do all your working out and write all your notes by hand. Anyways. There's a bunch of articles. I mean, the one about embodied cognition that I talked about uh, at the beginning of the episode. They all claim that neurologically it's more productive to write by hand. And I mean, you immediately get it. Like, I find that writing notes on my phone, first of all, obviously super distracting. And just uh, picking up your phone, it's, it's so difficult to pick up your phone, put your pin in, Select an app and not select all the other apps and then do the thing that you're meant to do. And it's also really similar to texting. So then I just think of all the people that I haven't texted about yet that I need to text back. So like the distractions are like fucking never ending. Um, So because most of the productivity apps that are on offer nowadays, they say we allow you to take better notes. But really what you should be thinking about is... Because note-taking is just doing the thinking, you should be thinking about notes as how do, I, how do I do better thinking, essentially. The best way to do better thinking is off your phone, in a notebook, or on a physical thing. I, I, I find for myself that it's a lot easier for me to compartmentalize notes because I have several notebooks, and each notebook has its unique purpose, so when I decide to take a note, I already have to think, what's the point of the note? 
which is already me processing the information. And then I have to go grab the notebook and I'm already thinking about what I need to write down and how I'm going to organize the note, how I'm going to explain the idea that it makes sense to me later. And so all those steps is just me processing information instead of just blurting it out in a text. Yeah. I have to summarize it, compartmentalize it, organize it in a way that makes sense to me. And uh, I mean, there's no right way of taking notes, but you have to, it, if you're doing it on your phone on a productivity app, more often than not, it's not going to cater to your own way of taking notes. Yeah, because they give you the format and then you input into their format exactly. rather than coming up with your own that yeah. makes sense for you. It's interesting that you say that, actually, because I think that kind of plays into like uh, some of the kind of steps of writing a screenplay that we kind of go through and the ones that you're kind of drawn to. Because I think we've like talked amongst ourselves before about how much we love carding. Yeah. Which is like, if anyone's like not a screenwriter... It's like this step in the process where you you go from like a plan that's usually going to be like digital of, you know, your of your story and you take it onto bits of card and bits of paper and you use different colours and you write down your kind of story beats or like, yeah, your important beats on bits of card and you kind of like lay them out all over the floor and like arrange them and like you can use like colours to like highlight themes and highlight like what bits of the story being brought out by which beat and in a way that is kind of a form of taking a story that's written out in a linear way um in full sentences and and making it into back then turning it back into notes yeah and then playing around with it and seeing where the gaps are and seeing what bits maybe the cause and effect is not working properly or whatever it might be um so i feel like that kind of plays into what you're saying like that's one of the bits that kind of like is one of the most rewarding bits of the process. Yeah. It's the, yeah. It's also that it's so much fun. The finished product at the end of that isn't necessarily anything new or it's not progressed like practically. It's not progressed your story practically, but you get so many more new perspectives on what your, your project as your story is. There is a kind of a shortcut to that. There's a German word for it. It's called Zettelkasten. Where basically instead of taking notes on a notebook, you just, or, you know, post-it notes. Uh, so the guy who came up with it, basically the, the way he did it was he would take it on like, take atomic notes, like tiny little thoughts on slips of paper and would have like a box where you put all the slips or you have one box for like one idea and one box for another idea. Um, and he wrote 70 books like that. So wow. he's like a hugely prolific writer. And that was his way of taking notes on ideas he would just literally write a singular thought or just two words three words throw it in the in the box and then when he basically would go on to write he'd lay out all the slips of paper and then kind of see what tied it all together mm. and that was his idea that was his book right so that's how he came up with the book that's crazy isn't it yeah like he I goes from notes working but 70 yeah. times um and so a lot of people have like developed it um, in different ways. Again, there's apps that allow you to do th- that specific thing. Um, there's, you know, where it, it'll link one note to another because of certain buzzwords and stuff. And I, I'm not sure how effective that is. But yeah, it's 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 so interesting that everything that's appealing to us as writers, like ev- all the processes that are appealing to us as writers, 
is just the little physical things that you do. Yeah. Yeah, it's when you're not behind a computer or on your phone. It's felt tips and a little bit of cardboard paper. Yeah. What else do you need to be happy? Um, yeah, I went down a bit of a, a rabbit hole of like how the internet thinks that you should like deal with creative block yeah. and like coming up with creative yeah. ideas. When in doubt, Google it. Yeah. Um, and WikiHow specifically. <laughs> of course. Had a few. <laughs> I mean, if you find yourself typing into Google how to have good ideas, you know you, something's gone wrong something's already. Gone. <laughs> And the thing I love about WikiHow also is that it gives you pictures to go with explanations. Oh, Wait, so what's the what's the title? What's the title of the How to Have Creative Ideas? That's the, that's what they called it. Yeah. WikiHow How to Have a Good Idea. Yeah, how to have great ideas. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, some of them go over like things that we've touched upon. Like, not all of the ide- ideas they give you of how to spark creativity are ridiculous, but a few of them are. Tell me. I mean, WikiHow says. I kind of want my money back for some of them as well because it's saying have imaginary imaginary um, conversations in your head, <laughs> and like if that worked, I would be a never-ending flow of amazing ideas yeah. because I waste a lot of my life having imaginary conversations. <laughs> That's all you do. They don't help me. Yeah, most of the time it's just you stewing over what you should have said. Yeah, or what I will say when I bump into someone that I'm never going to bump into. Yeah. Or you're never going to say that thing, are you? Or I see them and I never say the other yeah. thing. Oh, I see I had forever. such a great conversation with you. Yeah. You were so funny in this so conversation that I had in my shame head. Shame was imaginary. Yeah. Writing down all your dreams. Again, I don't know what kind of like artistic dreams some people are having, but my dreams are... I think if I wrote them down, they'd be a bit like scary how weird they are. Yeah. Like not in an inspiring way, in a like... Ew, I don't want to think about that way. Yeah, what the fuck? Do you ever... Okay, this is what I mean, though. Like, do you ever hear of those stories of, like, really famous musicians or whatever dreaming a melody? Like, didn't, like, Elton John write your song in a dream or something and then, like, woke up and fucking composed it? I don't know why, but I just don't believe it. I don't buy it at all, bro. It's like these people have never had a dream. That's not how dreams work. A dream is... You're fucking asleep and you're like running towards like a cliff and then the cliff disappears and all of a sudden you're on top of a land post. There's no light, you know, and then your grandmother's there. And there's nothing new in a dream either, I don't think. I think it's all stuff from your conscious that goes into your subconscious. And there's no like causality. Things not happen one after the other. It's just... Yeah, this is the thing is that, you know, when people get like genuinely upset about dream cheating. Yeah. And it's like... That doesn't mean that they wanted to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. Another website suggested um, going to the zoo. <laughs> <laughs> Which I love the idea of going to the zoo because you don't have good ideas and the zoo might give you good ideas. <laughs> just, just go visit your local zoo. Yeah. Also, One... who goes to the zoo by themselves? Oh, I think it's a bit creepy to go to the zoo by yourself. Yeah. Excuse me, sir, uh, do you need help? No, I'm just just looking for ideas. <laughs> and then wouldn't all your ideas be animal or zoo related? <laughs> yeah, maybe that's how the Lion King came about. It's just... <laughs> do you think Shakespeare went to the zoo when he wrote Macbeth? Almost certainly. One of the ones they said that I think actually could work was... Um, which also sounds creepy now, but like spend time with children... 
<laughs> because you know at, at kids the zoo or in, not at the not zoo, at the zoo. <laughs> we can take kids to the zoo but like you know kids have the, like a way of kind of like saying things without the usual filters that adults yeah. have and like I don't know there's a way of interacting that kids have that I feel like I can kind of imagine that working okay that's quite interesting I can imagine that being yeah. something that like sparks I mean I guess if you if you spend a lot of time with kids anyway you probably just tune it out yeah, I feel like that's what usually what happens. They just yap and yap and yap and yeah. just... I mean, that's not what you're supposed to do if you're with kids. No, time, you're supposed but... to listen to them as if you care. Yeah. <laughs> there was also a suggestion of, like, striking up a conversation with people on LinkedIn, which sounds... Awful. God-awful. If somebody popped up on my LinkedIn for no also, reason... Also, weird on LinkedIn. For no reason other to, like, try and give themselves an idea. Like, what... <laughs> what? I didn't want to be a part special. of this, yeah. <laughs> all they, was, all they said... Just myself an idea. <laughs> all they said, Google it. And I was like... Well, then That's this, what I'm doing! <laughs> this article will come up. That's how I got to this article. <laughs> just just Google how to have an idea. Just Google it. Just see what, what they say. Basically, go on another website than WikiHow yeah. and do anything. Don't use us. Go on... How are you meant to come up with an idea by talking to someone on LinkedIn? LinkedIn is like just stuffy and professional. Yeah, it's it's people trying to be professional, isn't it? It's not. No one's going to be free and creative on LinkedIn. Absolutely not. And also using the um, I'm feeling lucky button on Google, which um, I had to check that that still existed because I didn't think that it yeah, did. And then but, last time I clicked on that was 2007. Yeah, it does still exist. And I guess if you're going to do some kind of free writing thing and you want it to just give you something random, yeah, maybe... Should we try it? No. I'm excited about this bit. All right. Okay, so we thought it'd be a good idea for us to, uh, in the spirit of this episode, to go through our own notes and find ones that, I don't know, stood out for (laughs) all the wrong reasons. Yeah, we're going to expose ourselves. After talking about what a safe private space our notes can be. We're basically ruining that for ourselves forever. (laughs) I quite enjoyed going through notes I I probably wouldn't have bothered to revisit. Do you know what I mean? Because I didn't really remember making them. So it was kind of nice to be like, oh yeah, I remember when I thought of that. Oh yeah, it's kind of like a, yeah, like going down memory lane a little bit. I remember this part of my life. My notes page is actually just... Uh, a Google Drive. Okay. So I start a new Word doc every time I get a good I I think I get an idea that I want to write down. Yeah. You feel one coming on and you're like, ooh. Oh. Because in my head I'm like, well, this whole document could be me developing this idea. Yeah. So I, I give it a lot of potential even. That's good. That's right actually quite smart. Yeah. And the first one that I came upon was a whole Word document that just said, spontaneous. A guy is very spontaneous. And then that was it. <laughs> and the worst bit about it is, is that I actually remember being really excited. <laughs> and then I obviously got to the end of that sentence and I was like, oh, oh more will come more, later. Yeah, I'll <laughs> just think about it more. There'll definitely be more to this. <laughs> spontaneity. And then that literally was it. A guy is spontaneous. Genius. Yeah, I mean, it just was never a character trait I'd ever given a character before. And I was like, oh, yeah, that is a really big character trait for some people in the world. Is this really, like, 
seizing things, seizing upon things where they're like, are willing to throw a plan in the bin for something else. Oh, that's, you know, so but, you're writing a character. This oh, is, it's it, not a film, is but it? it? Yeah, it's not, not a piece. Really, nothing else came from it, but. <laughs> <laughs> Spontaneous. I have a lot of just non sequiturs that my favorite one uh, is Dental Dam Dinner. Just because I like the alliteration. I don't know what it means. What's a dental dam? A dental dam is a piece of a trash bag that you, uh, <laughs> that when you're going down on a woman, you okay. put over the vagina in case it kills you, essentially. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> in case it'll make you I sick. I was thinking of, I thought it was going to be like something to do with teeth. Well, teeth, yeah. you know, <laughs> it can if you're really bad. <laughs> if you're really terrible at it, maybe it's dental. Wait, so is it like doing the job of a condom, but the opposite the way? The opposite way. Oh, oh god. Horrible. Dental How dam offensive is that? Dinner. Also? Where are you going with this? <laughs> I have no idea. I think, okay, I think it was just a back and forth with it a friend. It was the alliteration, I'm sorry. <laughs> it was the alliteration. <laughs> I just thought it was fun. No, um, it was a back and forth, and we thought of like a skit that we could shoot where you basically see a guy like set up like a nice dinner with a tablecloth, but the tablecloth is like a, a dental dam, and he like, you know, tucks in tucks in a towel and like gets in like a knife and fork and a nice glass of wine and then you pull out and it's just legs oh, spread and gosh. we just thought it was probably really funny and it, it, it's not but oh, it's dental so damn dinner it just needs so much explanation um the next one i came across which i i loved revisiting this idea actually so it was about superstitions um and i still find this really interesting how Almost all people practice some superstitions that we don't believe in. Yeah, that's so true. like people are like, oh yeah, like knock wood or like yeah, like or like won't like grown adults that like won't walk over three drains. They're like, no, 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 unlucky, unlucky, and it's like they don't actually believe. Three yeah, it's unlucky to walk over three drains or something like that. Yeah, and people and almost and very few people actually believe that anything bad will happen or it's like yeah. actually unlucky, but people partake in them really regularly and I find that like a really interesting kind of quirk of yeah like it doesn't and I don't necessarily think there's like a story no, that, to come from it but I find yeah, it just it like quite very appealing an it? interesting nugget and it it actually came from a friend of mine who works for like an archive um and they're kind of that this is one of their kind of new things that they're like sending out for people to like send in their experiences of like practicing these superstitions and which ones they partake in uh, and why uh, and if there are any they actually believe in. Uh, that's fun. Yeah. Fun super time. interesting. Yeah. What do you have? What superstitions do you practice or have, I guess? Yeah, I think I uh, get a bit like thing like, oh, don't want to jinx it. So you're yeah. like, oh yeah, like touch wood. Did you hit your head? Yeah. <laughs> Go knock on wood and you hit Yeah, your, I your do. Head. Yeah, I hit, hit my head. But it's, I find it fascinating that it then creeps into, like, public life, where, like, some countries won't have a 13th floor. Yeah, or rope 13 on a plane. Yeah. No, that's a good idea. I don't know what how you would Yeah, that's what I mean. That, I don't though, know man. where that would go, but I still find that interesting. I had to de develop that. I just wrote, a smartwatch is like a phone for your phone. I'm still trying to piece it together. <laughs> <laughs> 
It makes sense, right? Yeah, a something about is like that a makes phone for your phone. Yeah. Excuse me, I'll just hand over to my assistant. Yeah, it's like my phone's too busy in my pocket, so it's it's getting the phone on. Yeah. I, yeah, but it's a bit of a busybody assistant, though. You know, when people start paying with their watch, and you're like, the "Phone's right there." They're often holding their phone and as they like pay this. with their watch. Yeah. That's like. Um, yeah, another one that I found was um, a document that I started about pigeons. Um, and what I wrote was pigeons used and discarded just like people, <laughs> <laughs> which is oh so profound. It's such a dramatic first <laughs> note, um, <laughs> um, but it was actually an idea that really stuck in my brain, um, and it came from a history podcast that did a whole episode about the history of, pig- of pigeons. And the more I thought about it, the more I felt like how humans treated pigeons was actually a really apt metaphor for how we treat other people um, and how we kind of see people as like contributing to society and once they get past a certain age they're no longer contributing um, and we kind of discard them in a similar way to how we discarded pigeons when we stopped using them as like messenger animals Yeah. Um, and this became a short film that I've written in full and it's one of my favourite things that I've written and I actually kind of still love looking back at how the idea came to pass yeah how did how did um that document become a story i think because i think because i made the connection to like an older person so a specific person rather than Mm. um a general idea of like how humanity treats humanity it that gave me a protagonist it gave me a person who is not necessarily doesn't necessarily have the words to describe how they feel, but they the world has kind of started to view them differently and their purpose mm. in life has like shifted and how kind of jarring that feels. So yeah, so I kind of had a protagonist right from the beginning, which and yeah, so it's only a short script, so that kind of the protagonist really kind of fills those pages. Yeah. That's cool. Well I have I also found um uh, the original note for one of the short films that I wrote, and the note was just said, "IKEA is literal hell," <laughs> um, and that was it. And then, uh, for, and then I had, and I had like four or five notes because my notes aren't as organized as yours because I just chuck everything into one page on the notes, and it's just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. So I had IKEA is literal hell. Then four bits about whatever else I was thinking about. And then, presumably, months later, uh, the, just the line that said, Ikea is like your big brother holding you at arm's length when you're trying to get candy, right? <laughs> and I was like, okay, so it's come up again. I probably went to Ikea again. Yeah. <laughs> so every time experience. I went to Ikea, I just had to write it down that it was the worst thing in the world. And then when... We were prompted to write a short film. I had the backlog of, backlog of ideas, and I had so many notes about how horrible IKEA is. But then all of a sudden, I realized I had all these notes about IKEA. So I put them all together, and I realized, oh my god, like there's just that's the scene of a guy trying to go shop at IKEA, and all these things go wrong. And that was the short that I wrote um, with a few bits added here and there. But yeah. <laughs> 
was episode five of Existential Dread, our episode about taking notes. I don't know about you, Martin, but I'm off to buy myself a new notepad. Oh yeah, and I'm about to buy you some mouthwash, Maddie, because your breath stinks. <laughs> <laughs>